Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 4. It's called Chapter 4, Sanctuary. So, full spoilers for the episode as always. And this episode was, was Seven Samurai. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you saw it coming after like the first scene. I was like, pretty sure I know where this is going. Um, I don't know if I expected it to get quite as blatant as it did. Um, but hey, going to steal it from the best, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, actually, it hurt me a little bit on Twitter. I saw someone refer to it as, oh, they're doing Magnificent Seven. And I, I just, uh, look, I died a little Magni- bit inside. Magnificent Seven isn't even the best remake of Seven Samurai. I'm sorry, it's not. That honor belongs to a bug's life. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fight me. You should still watch Seven Samurai rather than a bug's life. Almost. I mean, yeah, you should. But if you're going to watch a remake, I'll... a bug's life is better than Magnificent Seven. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, basically, basically, uh, Mandalorian goes to goes to this planet for refuge. Quiet little planet. Try to get, you know, stay out of the radar of everyone else uh, because Baby Yoda is obviously a target. And arrives, kind of runs into Gina, uh, Cara, uh, Gina Carino's character, who's called Kara, which is actually really confusing because her last name is Carano, but her character's yes. name is Kara. Uh, but runs into her, and she's an ex-shock trooper, I think she said. And yep. she uh, is also kind of hiding out there. At first, it feels like they might not be able to get along, um, and he thinks he's going to leave. But when the villagers of this village that we see in the opening scene that is attacked by these alien bandits of some sort uh they come and beg for help very seven samurai you know actually offering to pay him to come and protect them um he doesn't really want to do it until he realizes that there's a place to live there that's quiet Uh, and then he takes the money they're going to pay him and goes and pays uh, Kara that and says hey job and they got into the into the small village to get acquainted uh do a bit of detective work um, at least it's kind of a funny cut here because they kind of cut back to the village and they're just like, yeah, you can't stay anymore. You have to run. Just go. <laughs> just leave. Because <laughs> uh, there's a giant uh, ATSD. Am I right? Is that, is that what it was? I, I'm, I'm impressed you remembered that acronym. Yeah. So they've got one of those, meaning that we can't really just fight it on our own. Like, we're good, but we're not that good. So... Uh, you're going to have to run. But ultimately, the villagers refuse, and it's actually Mandalorian who gets the idea to be like, hey, what if we train them to sort of help, and we can actually form a plan and take it down. Uh, so that's the, that's the gist of the episode. Obviously, we'll get to the, uh, the, the, the nuts and bolts, but um, I thought it was another solid episode plan, not quite as good as last week's. I think the only thing this suffers from, because it does tell a complete story, which was something the first three episodes were all lacking, this is unequivocally an episode. Yes. The problem with it, though, is I do feel it, its length hurts it. I think it needed at least another 10 minutes to really sell everything that goes on here. Uh, the montage with the training, the villagers especially, and it's not that I wanted more of the training per se, I just felt it came to it. I felt like I had to get to know them a little bit so that when they said, no, we'll train, we'll help, like it meant more. Um, we get this montage of them learning to you know, fight with sticks and fire blasters and 
it just kind of felt like I barely know who any you are. Like, I recognize like one face uh, at this point, you know. And I'm thinking of every other movie that's done this, you know, whether it be Seven Samurai or not that they, they, there's a bit of training in that. But you know, I'm thinking of Army of Darkness even. I'm thinking of anything that's ever done this. And by the time we get to the point where they want to train and fight and fight alongside the outside hero. Uh, we always know enough of them that it means something that we see the struggling character actually you know so i don't know i, I, felt, no, no, I uh, agree with all that i think it's it's slightly unfair in the sense that all the other things that we're comparing it to are 90 plus minute movies or three hours in the case of the original uh so you know it, it's a little bit unfair in that regard but i agree you know an extra 10 minutes probably would have gone a long way to help that's why i don't think it's, it's unfair at all i'm not saying give me two hours i'm saying give me an extra 10 minutes I just mean, you know, it's there is an expectation of all these things that, you know, okay, that maybe 10 minutes would have fixed, but maybe we'd still be going, oh, maybe it needs more. I, I don't know. No, I don't think so, because I'm not comparing it to those things to make this critique. I'm making this critique just based on how it feels in the moment itself. I just don't feel that like we actually get to know them enough to actually care about their, their plight. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest feeling of this episode is that I don't really give a shit about the village that much. Um, yeah, they, that's fair. They try their damnedest to make me care. You know, we, we meet the, the one sort of widow character who's got the, the kid, um, uh, and we her name, and she's you know being nice to Mandalorian. They're even teasing a possible romance. You know, not, not so much that I think they're going to go down that path, but it's you know even Kara at one point says, "Hey, you could settle down here and be with the widow, and uh, yeah. you know, live your life." He's like, "Nah, this isn't for me." Um, but of course he does contemplate leaving the kid here. Uh, of course he eventually has to change his mind because there's assassins coming in and know his location, so they, he can't stay here. He's still in danger. You know, he's yeah. He's, they uh, they're still tracking Baby Yoda, not him. Yeah. So he was about to make an extreme blunder because he thought he was say, oh, "I've done my job. He's safe now. He's going to leave and leave the kid behind." And then right before he's about to leave, <laughs> an assassin shows. I was like, "Well, it's a good job. I didn't piss off then." Yeah. Uh, so. Yes, so the episode obviously ends with them on their way. Obviously, what I have skipped over is the actual uh, fight and the because the, the action is really good. That I think yeah. the best thing about the episode, uh, aside to the, the typical, um, you know, Mandalorian Baby Yoda stuff, there's a lot of Baby Yoda stuff at the start. That everyone's going to be saying he's really cute, but he's drinking the to soup. Be fair, it is. I'm just amazed at the puppetry on this thing. It's kind of fantastic because you know it's it's like an actual thing there. Uh, not just CG, which would have been the the easy route. But there is some CG involved, though. I'm sure his face is still CG. I don't know. There's a lot of puppetry in the face. Um, there's definitely moments I noticed. There's, there's definitely some enhancements going on. It might be enhanced at points, but I know, like, if you if you look at interviews, with some of the cast they're talking about how it was on set with the thing. Um, there's, I think there's like two or three puppeteers controlling it. Yeah, there's definitely moments of enhancement because. Especially with the eyes. I keep noticing the eyes, uh, you know, they don't look necessarily yeah, there um, all the time. But um, you can definitely tell the arms and the legs are all that are there, though. Uh, the, the way yeah, it kind of yeah. sits in things and touches things. There's definitely a lot of tactile stuff going on. I think the, the, the movement was quite impressive in this. Because obviously up till this, it's always just been kind of floating or we haven't really seen it move. It's crawled a little bit, maybe. But, uh, you know, in this one, it's just kind of walking there alongside him. Hmm. It looks pretty good. Um, so yeah, there's all that stuff at the start, uh, but the best thing about this episode is definitely how it tra- treats the, uh, the, uh, I know the name of it, I'm trying to just... You can just call it the walker. I don't want to call it that either, I'm trying to think of a more general, general term. Uh, it's not quite a mech. No, it's, it's not, is it? It's, it's, it's kind of a cross between a tank and a mech. 
I'm trying to phrase it in the context of it being more universal. Because um, the point I want to make here is that they kind of treat it like a horror like monster, where it comes out of the trees and it's got the big red lights of the eyes and it... Uh, yeah, it kind of looks like a face with the way they've lit up the uh, the viewport to look like eyes. Yeah, that stuff's uh, pretty good. Um, and then the actual, the actual battle's pretty good too. Uh, them running back to base and then everyone's sort of been ready with their, their sort of... their their barricades and their you know their, their firing lines and whatnot um yeah all that stuff is is great i do this was the first one where i felt the length hurt though because i feel like the first three had a very slow pace a methodical pace and that wasn't a complaint it's just that's i thought that worked for the show it felt like this one by contrast trump wanted to feel like that still but actually still had to speed everything up to get everything into the, the very tight 40 minute runtime no i agree i don't think it needs much more but a little bit like things like uh, the widow clearly has a past, right? You know, she's really good at shooting and she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I've done this before, but we don't really get any of that. And I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll come up at some point. I mean, we'll probably come back here, but we spent enough time introducing her that I feel like we're going to see her at least, you know, once more in the season. Yeah, um, possibly. Especially Kara. I don't think this is the last we see of her either. Oh, absolutely not of her. No, no, this is Gina Carano. They cast her for a reason, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I like. This was the first one where I felt like, yeah, that's, it's funny because I, I said last time that the first three episodes, you could have cut some stuff out of episode two and made it an hour long episode. I think I'd add like 10 to 20 minutes to this one and make this a full hour without, you know, combining any other episodes. I would just make this a full hour long episode. No, I agree. It's it's funny how this feels like the most complete package of an episode, right? Uh, it, it's funny because obviously we talked about the, the first three feeling like kind of like one big thing and. And we were under the impression that that was like, right, that was act one. And this is just kind of going to be on to act two. And it was probably going to feel like that throughout because it's only, you know, eight episodes. And this kind of threw a spanner in that because it's, it's not this, this definitely feels like, okay, no, this is a TV show. Um, Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. It still kind of feels like just act two to me, but it's got a more complete story in and of itself. Um, I, I mean, it's act two of the season, but rather than just being a broken up movie, this feels like an episode of a TV show. More like one. I wouldn't say it outright does yet. Uh, that, still, that still feels like a section of a movie to me where, you know, like this is part of the journey. This is part of the trip. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it feels... And I don't think it ever will feel like a TV show. I don't know. There's something about it. It just is it's just, it's just framed differently. It's framed in a different way in the story. Uh, oh, that's fair. Um, so I now I wouldn't agree with that, but I just I would add more time to it. I I feel like this is the unlike the past few episodes, I felt like this one was like, no, you're rushing through some of this stuff too much. Actually, let me feel like I care about these people. Let me soak in the uh, what it's doing. Um, so I guess I guess I mean my compl- I guess my overall complaint about the show is still kind of the same. It's just it's it's kind of morphed a little bit, but ultimately the base complaint is it doesn't really know how to structure itself as a TV show yet. And it did it a different way this time. You know, it made the mistake in a different way, but like the the, the, the base complaint is still kind of the same thing. I I agree with your complaint about the the pacing in general. I I think the saying though it doesn't feel like a TV show. I think we just kind of got into that a minute ago. But whereas the first day I agree with you, it doesn't know how to feel like a TV show. This one, to me, does, and it feels like for whatever reason they were well, given no, like a style moved... restriction. Hold on a second, I've moved on from that though, and I'm saying that it's it's struggling to actually function as a TV show. And this is not the same complaint to say it doesn't feel like one. I'm saying that 
and not using its time properly or not being the correct length for the story it's telling it's ma- it's essentially making a different mistake but it leads back to the same base problem that it's not known how to function as a tv show no but that's where i disagree i think this does function as a tv show however it's it's a tv sh- it's an episode on on network tv where it's this is your strict run running time and you have to kind of rush through beats if if that is the case to do your story that week this feels like that to me where for whatever reason they had a strict time that they, you know that they were that they were given and they were like right okay that's the, that's the weird thing though i don't feel that at all i don't feel there is a strict time limit this feels purely by choice which is which makes it baffling that there's such a weird mm. pacing issue like and it's not like i'm saying add more action scenes that are going to cost a lot of money i'm saying just give me some more character stuff in and around the camp give me more uh, yeah. bonding like you know stuff that's just characters in a you know in a room because they're in like this little village but there's in, in these barns and huts talking to each other and what's interesting though is i think in terms of for the mandalorian himself i think he has quite a lot of character moments in this episode as compared to any other yeah that's fair um uh, you know like don't get me wrong i think the, the side characters suffer uh in in this episode a lot uh, in that regard, well, but yeah, I think for it, him, he has more than any other individual episode. Yeah, one of one of the things that fall out from us, apart from not really caring about the village as much as I feel like we should, uh, during the big defense for it, is you know at the end of the episode, like the, I get the feeling there's supposed to be this camaraderie that's built up between Mandalorian and Kara, and they kind of hug each other almost at the end or whatever as he's saying goodbye, and it's kind of like oh we'll meet you know again one day or whatever, and mm-hmm. I never really felt they earned that level of like trust or that level of uh i don't know of a bond like I, it felt like you know they, they have this weird fight at the start right where they're fighting outside the the cantina and yep. and then you know he goes to her because at first he thinks he's gonna have to leave but then he gets this offer he goes to her with the money and i guess i was expecting more of an actual arc where they kind of earn each other's trust or whatever and it never really happened they were just kind of on the same page after that there wasn't really much of an actual story there so at the end of the episode when they're kind of it feels like there's been this bond created that it kind of felt like i don't know i feel like you've skipped a beat here and you just went to this and i don't really feel like it's it's been earned i, I think like there are there are moments that work to enhance this in the episode for me i don't think I, you know i agree to the, to the point where it's not entirely there there are moments like when she asks for his gun you know his his his, his fancy mm. one he hands it over without hesitation, and that He's was like, okay. prod that also happens to fire things projectile wise. Yeah, the disintegrating ones. Yeah, uh, it's a cattle prod. That it, happens it, to it is, yeah. That happens yeah. to fire things, but it's a cattle prod. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, and then you know her doing the the extreme maneuver to try and force the walker in, you know into the trap. Uh, you know there are these beats where I am feeling like okay, no, there is this respect, like you know, uh, quite a strong respect between them that that they've got going here. I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is it feels like I watched the crib notes version. I feel like, I feel mm-hmm. like there's like an extended cut somewhere that actually fleshes all this stuff out and gives it an arc, and I feel like yeah. I watched the bit that just skips to the the be- the beats where they want them to be at the end, and I'm like, like I feel like I missed parts of the story. And don't That's get me wrong, not- like I feel like I, it sounds like I'm shitting in this episode a lot. I actually think it's a it, it's an enjoyable enough watch. I think the copying Seven Samurai is never really going to be a terrible idea, um, and it's something because there was rumors out you know a few years ago of them doing a Seven Samurai movie, uh, with Jedi, and that was easily the most interesting concept that would heard for a Star Wars movie in a long time. Because uh, yeah, it was very they, standalone and just sort of doing its own idea. I'm pretty sure they did a bunch of episodes on Clone Wars. They did an arc. It was like three or four episodes where they did Seven Samurai. I, I think if they actually lent more into Jedi being Samurai, I wouldn't I wouldn't be as disinterested in them that much. <laughs> but they don't, they don't really. I mean, it's all this Force bollocks and 
Uh, Often, yeah. 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 I mean, um, it depends on what what the story is, but in the in the main movies, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I, yeah. So, I mean, admittedly, I'm, I'm kind of like raising myself more complaints as I'm talking about it. But um, th- there is something weirdly. It, it almost feels like it almost feels like this season's a proof of concept. So everything's every everything feels like oddly like a sort of long short film. I know that sounds like a really weird sentence, but there's like a weird like here we're going to prove we can do this, but the actual meat won't come until season two because they don't have the the footing yet to like be confident and to actually just tell a big story yeah like I, I mean i definitely agree with that when we talked about it in the first episode and that, that opening sequence that was absolutely oh, yeah, that was de- that was definitely the strongest i felt that but i just even just looking at it as a whole now the, the way i'm talking about how it's kind of skipping kind of beats for me and it feels like it's there's parts of the story that feel truncated or missing or whatever it, feel, it does almost feel like they're doing it to save money but this is disney they shouldn't it's it's interesting know. because uh, I, you know there are parts in this episode that feel truncated but the overall narrative arc between you know mandalorian and baby yoda i think has been perfectly paced and you know hasn't had any of those problems i haven't felt like we've missed any beats oh no that's fair yeah there's nothing wrong with their their story arc uh, together but every yeah. his his story arc with everyone else in this episode feels truncated and feels like yeah. he's skipping bits, um, and could use some more time. Uh, at least that's how I felt when I was watching it. Um, no, so fair. so when I got to the end, it felt like okay, that was enjoyable enough. But it felt there was a little bit of a hollow feeling to it because hmm. because the weight just maybe wasn't quite there. Um, I think for me, uh, I, while I agree with kind of most of these complaints... Uh, You're I think Star I, Wars, I, Mark, so you're going to forgive no, all of it. <laughs> no, no. What I was going to say is, I because I actually felt like I got out of The Mandalorian himself with, uh, you know, from his side of things with the Widow and, you know, the stuff about his helmet and him contemplating staying there, you know, she goes to lift the helmet off and he's like, you know what, no, that, it's not the time for that. Um there are moments like that, and you know, and and his stuff with with Baby Yoda that are really working for me. That kind of outshine the problems with the side characters because the core character is getting so much stronger, and there is so much of that in this episode. It kind of outshines the problem for me. Yeah, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that a lot of these people he meets along his way, uh, assuming we're in a more of an episodic planet to planet thing for each episode now. Is that I feel like a lot of the allies he makes are going to sort of come back to help him at the end, you know, in some sort of way. Uh, that'd be my prediction for where this is going in some capacity. Um, so, so we can't skimp on them. We can't skimp on those relationships. No, um, I agree. I, and I think if we get to that point at the end, um, we're not having any more of them in between. You know, of you know, to, you know uh, the characters in this episode come back at the end, and we haven't got any more of them between then, this and then. Then I will absolutely feel that at that point when they show up and they're supposed to be you know, the the cavalry helping out i will feel the problem then and as it is right now while yes it's irritating in this episode it didn't drag it down too much for me because of the the other stuff if they do show up and do that at the end then yeah we'll we'll revisit this conversation i'll be more annoyed or probably just disappointed to be honest not annoyed but mm. yeah yeah, so that was that was bizarre. Yeah, so we yeah we had him with his helmet off to eat. Yeah, started answering the big questions: How does he eat? Well, he doesn't private, but his helmet off. Um, mm. Although to be honest, he, he was sort of looking at people as if there was like a window there, and I was like, can't anyone just look at it and see see what he looks like right there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's one way glass. 
it's a it's a little like like shoddily built hut on a on a village. Maybe old glass windows. I, I, I just use that. I don't know. I'm making up answers here. I, I, I don't have one for you. <laughs> also, later on, when they're in the fight with the ATST, um, I got the impression when it didn't step in the uh, the trap the first time that it was suspicious that there might be a trap because the way it sort of put its foot out. And I say it as if there's no one up there controlling it, you know what I mean? Like, if the foot went out and then sort of, no, I'm not going to do that, and came back. Um, but then as the fight went on, it almost felt like, no, nah, just, it just happened to stop. It was a weird beat for me for the foot to go uh, out and sort of come no, back. I, I felt like it stopped because it was the edge of the water where it stopped, right? You know, it, it stopped on the bank. And I thought it felt like, no, this is far enough. We're not going to go into that because, you know, maybe there's, there's reasons for that, you know, on their part. Uh, and then Ooh. it got—it didn't necessarily forget. I don't think it got goaded into coming closer um, when it, you know when you know she went up and went right up against it, and I was like, "No, come and get me." Yeah, no, but even at the end, it didn't step in though. It just the, the ground gave way at the edge, and it fell in. So, um... well, no, but it did step closer. That was the point. It stepped closer to try and get her, and as it did, it it you know it crumbled the edge. So it was trying not to go in, but. Yeah, but no. But what I'm saying is, is for their trap to work, they were planning on it going into the water. So clearly, they suspect. Okay, it's a shallow enough pool. They're expecting it to go in. Um, yeah. I don't know. This is this is kind of a weird, weird sort of flaw in the plan. Then, if if it was never going to want to actually walk in that area. Um, I mean, I guess they had no reason to suspect that it wouldn't, but. They, I mean, they, they don't know, because it doesn't usually advance out of don't the Don't get me wrong, I, I, I forest, get the choices creatively in terms of creating tension and the, the scene itself. It's just that in a logic sense from the characters, it makes them feel a little bit, I mean, not stupid, but like, I, I feel like with the Mandalorian and Kara, uh, like, you know, sort of directing what they're doing, I feel like they would be smart enough to sort of call if it would go into the water or not like i said is you know generally seen when it's attacked it's never come out of the forest it's always you know behind the tree line shooting at them um this is the closest it came anyway so they thought maybe it will come closer i, I don't know hmm. but hey uh so no i mean for, for all the things i've sort of nitpicked i think it's an enjoyable enough episode the the action is very good the core stuff with mandalorian and yoda or Baby Yoda is 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 pretty solid, mm. um, but uh, you know I'd have shaved twenty minutes off episode two and given it to this. Happily. Hey, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. <laughs> episode two is as as much as I enjoy what is there in terms of the overall season, easily the weakest point. Oh, easily episode yeah. episode two is by far the weakest episode. Yeah, and I enjoy what is there like you know i think it's fun enough but it is easily the weakest episode this may be the second best episode um even with the flaws that um i've brought up but i think i think it is i think um i think three three ended as you know it, it kind of was this conclusion to the the first three episodes that kind of gives it this extra points and it has all that going for it i think this edges out one by the nature of it being if, if for all the, the flaws we talk about how it kind of feels like it skips beats it does feel like a complete story that it's offering rather than just here's a cliffhanger at the end like the like the first one did mm. uh, just try and give the stories the right amount of time because yeah. when you compare this to episode 4 we had a story there that had way too much time <laughs> and then we have this one that doesn't have enough so uh, that's hopefully something that they I mean it's probably too much to hope that it'll happen in this season but maybe in season 2 they'll have yeah, I mean, the kinks to be worked out, I guess. Yeah. 
I mean, it is written by John Favreau, who, as far as I know, has never done a TV show. I think he's only worked on movies. To my knowledge, sure, yeah. Um, so, has he? Did he write all of it? He's written uh, all I, of it. He's written every episode oh, so far. Oh, is he? Okay. Ted, I noticed this was the uh, the Bryce Dallas Howard directed one. It was, yes. Um, yeah. She did a pretty good job in terms of direction, you know, especially like when we talk about the action sequences and stuff. Yeah, doing TV is kind of a thankless role as a director because, you know, it was solid, but part of me also goes, yeah, but the style was set up in the last few episodes, so I don't really look at this and go, oh, there's her touches, there's her little, you know, flourishes of her as a director. And because I've never yeah. seen anything she's directed before, I have no idea what she, what she might I have added. I don't think she's done that much direction. She's done, you know, a couple of things, I think, but not a, a huge amount. Yeah, she's uh, getting lessons from her dad, probably. Uh, so, uh, yeah. or or maybe her uncle Clint. <laughs> I'd lo- oh, I'd love to ask her what it's like, Uncle Clint coming around for Christmas dinner. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. And does he bring ice cream? Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's a fun- this this is the first time we've had a family connection. The directors for Star Wars. You say that as if other franchises have tons of family connections. No, no, but I'm just saying you now that we've got, so you know, so, you know, it's going to be so much ongoing stuff between the tv shows movies they're gonna keep coming out it's only a matter of time till it happens more i guess but uh yeah that's, that's the first one that's, that's happened yeah i can't think of another franchise off the top of my head that has any family connections and its directors there'll be some somewhere there, pro- I mean, there probably is them. some somewhere but i can't think of any as of yet not 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 of course not including like duos like you know the Ruzos who direct together that doesn't count sure sure yeah they, they, you know, that's, that's their thing. They, they, they do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's episode four of the Mandalorian. Let us know what you thought of the episode in the comments below. Like and subscribe, all the usual stuff. Guys on the Twitters at me underscore fudge for channel updates. Ding the bell on YouTube so you make sure you get the notifications. Uh, if you want to support everything we do, you can do that a couple of ways. You can rate the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, and um, more people find us that way. You can support us financially over at patreon.com slash TV, and you can do that for as little as one dollar per month and every dollar matters. You get some bonus stuff, bonus features, higher tiers, you get voting rights and other sorts of things and bits and bobs so go and have a look and see if you're interested uh but otherwise that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching tv guys have you got any vanilla